0: Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's get to the word of the Lord this morning. Again, we are so glad for everyone that is here today. I want to direct your attention, first of all, to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, and then 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be going there, just flipping ahead. We'll begin at 1 Peter 3 and then flipping ahead to 2 Peter 1. Verse 15, 1 Peter 3 But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. With meekness and fear. Jumping ahead to the second epistle of Peter, chapter one, verse 20. Knowing this verse, That no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy or for the Scripture came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you today on the absolute source. The absolute source. We are going to be discovering the constitution of the kingdom. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your holy presence that is in here. Thank you, Lord, for your people that love you. May this, oh God, be the uh, service, God, that ignites for the whole year. God, a, a heart, a passion for you. Lord, I pray, Father, today as we launch into this message... Help us to handle the word of God with great care. Let us, Lord Jesus, have the right spirit of delivering truth in love. God, but let it be, Lord Jesus, with your anointing. I pray today for your anointing upon this word, upon this message. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. amen. Lord bless you. You can be seated. I want to talk about this book today. Somebody say this is no ordinary book. book. This is no ordinary book. The Bible, the Holy Bible, I don't know about you, but on my uh, Bible spine here it says Holy Bible, contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way to salvation. It also reveals to us the doom of sinners. And the happiness of believers. Its doctrine and precepts are holy. Its scriptures are binding. Its histories have been proven to be true. And its decisions immutable. The wise need to read it. The simple need to read it. Those who believe it will be saved. Those who practice it will be holy. It contains a light to lead you, food to sustain you, comfort to cheer you. It is the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, and the soldier's sword. It is the Christian's Magna Carta. It is the emancipation proclamation for the soul that is incarcerated by sin. Here, paradise is restored. Here, heaven is open and the gates of hell exposed. We find that Jesus Christ stands as the central character of this book. He is the grand subject and the chief character. It is designed with your good in mind. It is designed so that you and I will have the best life possible. It also has the glory of God as its aim. It is a treasure trove of wealth. It is a river of living water the Bible calls. Itself calls it the bread of life. This book, this holy book, this sacred book, this word of the living God is the word of the king of the universe. And we find that it is indestructible according to Matthew 24:35, incorruptible according to 1 Peter 1:23, 1, indispensable according to Deuteronomy 8 and 3, infallible according to Matthew 5 and 18, inexhaustible according to Psalm 92 and 5. There is no book like this book. Nations have come and gone, risen and fallen, yet his book, the King's Book, remains kings have come and gone leaders have come and gone dictators have come and gone and died and been nothing more than just a the asterisk in history yet the king's book this book remains you probably have not heard of the 1700 1700 french enlightenment writer and professor françois miria aroot I probably butchered that French name badly, but Mr. Arouet wrote more than two thousand books and pamphlets in the 1700s. <coughs> he also penned more than twenty thousand letters. You may know him by the, his literary double or his pen name, Voltaire. Voltaire. Voltaire predicted Christianity would cease to exist within 100 years of his lifetime he died in 19 or in 1778 and he predicted that christianity would come to an end and the bible would only be found in museums but The Bible endures, ironically, within 50 years of his death. In 1778, the Geneva Bible Society purchased his home and the printing presses that he was using to print his books and pamphlets on and then began to print Bibles. Francosis is long gone, but the Bible still abides. Voltaire is just simply a, a blimp on Wikipedia, but the Bible is true and maintains and still is being printed and printed and printed some more. It has actually been translated, this precious book, into 400 languages. Some parts of it have been translated into, uh, parts of it have been translated in over 2,000, close to 2,500 languages. David Limbaugh, who happens to be Russia's brother, but David Limbaugh wrote an incredible book called Jesus on Trial. I encourage you to get it. And I quote from there. He said, according to the United Bible Society, their organization distributed 633 million portions of scripture throughout the globe in the year 2000. Gideon's International distributed 56 million Bibles in 2001. Its website says that the organization has placed over almost 2 billion Bibles overall. Voltaire is forgotten. Hitler has gone off the scene it Is just a name to be lived out in infamy. But the book continues. Critics have come and gone. It has survived translations that were erroneous. It has survived attacks of criticism of both scholars and skeptics. Yet it still is here. It still maintains its status. The Bible boldly proclaims to be the word of God. It is not... Not only by its own voice, the word of God, but by logical study of history, we find that it to be the word of God. I want to remind this church, we've preached on it and taught about it many times, but Jesus didn't come to bring a religion to this world. Christianity is really not a religion Christianity is rather a government. Jesus came to bring a government. He came to reinstitute and reestablish the kingdom that he launched in Genesis where Adam and Eve lost it in the garden. He came to bring it back on a cross. I want to tell you the Bible is the book that communicates the will of God. It reveals the plan of the king for all of man. This book stands as the government authority of the kingdom it establishes if you please the constitution of the king. His word amen is so uh, uh, inspired that it has survived over and over again the attacks of men. Let's look at it just for a minute. I want to talk to you we're going to go uh, one of our one of our lessons one of our messages is going to go into detail about the Bible in itself. But I want to talk to you just some overview of the Bible. The Bible contains 66 books. These books are contained in two sections. 39 of them are in the Old Testament, 27 are in the New Testament. Each of the books except five are divided into chapters and verses. The five which are not divided into chapters are Obadiah, Philemon, Second John, Third John, and the book of Jude. These are short books, so they only have the division of verses. Chapters were inserted in the Bible in 1238 uh, uh, A.D. We find that verses were put into to place in 1551 A.D. This Bible... The Bible, the book, amen. Anybody look at your Bible and see what it's called the Holy Bible. It's interesting that the Bible by definition means the books. Say that with me, the books. The Bible means the books. That's not just books, but it's the book. It's not just some books, but it is the. The book, amen, the word of God is the only book. It's the absolute authority. Even in the definition on your Bible is the authority for the word Bible means the book. Let me share with you some other unique examples of scripture. This book, these books, this Bible was written over a period of 1600 years. The book covers 60 generations. It was written by 40 plus different authors from diverse walks of life. Some were shepherds, some were farmers, some were tent makers, some were physicians, some were fishermen, some were priests, some were philosophers, and some were kings. Despite the differences in occupation, despite the span of years, despite the span of even the continents that it was written on, amen, you will find that it is extremely cohesive and unified from Genesis to Revelation. Keep that in mind. That makes it unique unlike any other book. It was written by in many different places. Moses wrote in the desert. Luke wrote his travels. You will find it was written in many different seasons and times. Some written in war. Some written in peace. It was written on three different continents. Asia and Africa and Europe. It was written in three different languages of Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. There are more Bibles in print today than any other book in the world Uh, the bible has been translated in more languages than any other book Uh, today according to one source that i found the bible has been translated again in over 2000 uh, almost 2500 exactly 2454 languages the only thing close to that is the works of shakespeare that have been written in 50 languages There are more than 168,000 Bibles either sold or given away in one day in the United States. 168,000. Amen. We will, you will look at and break that down. That's, that's, that's kind of crazy. Folks like to break. That means 160 Bibles are sold every minute here in the United States. It's a number one bestseller. I said it's a number one bestseller. Hallelujah when you begin to study the uniqueness of scripture, you will find that there are more than 3,200 verses that, were, that have fulfilled prophecy, either written within the Bible itself or that happened after the Bible was written. 3,200 verses of prophetic utterance. You will also find that there are 3,100 verses that have yet prophecies to be fulfilled. That to me is ironic and awesome. The Bible has inspired the lyrics of more songs and more books than any other book in the world. The Bible has survived more attacks than any other book, more criticism than any other book, more scrutiny than any other book, yet it resides. So when you think with me for a minute, the cohesiveness and the consistency and the unity that is in the diverse nature of the book, there's only one way to explain that, and that there was a God, the Grand Weaver, that is orchestrating them together. When you consider the book of Muhammad, when you consider the Quran, they said that it was written and divinely inspired by God, but it is only written by one man. That's right. -hmm. Woo! Tell me now, right now, just think about this. Which God would you rather serve? A God that can start over a period of time of 1,500 years and use almost 40 authors over all different continents and all different places and state facts about cities and locations, archaeological digs that have discovered it to be true? Don't you know the devil would do his best if there was one statement when they said it was this city was 200 miles from that city and it was only 20? Don't you know that they would be raising a stink about it? Don't you know that if a name was off, if there was something that was, off, oh, they're going to nitpick little little bitty things, but I want to tell you, when you look at the entirety of scripture, it wasn't written by one man on this earth, but rather is written by the breath of God. It was written as God began to inspire the writers. The very first book that we understand that was written, actually written down was the book of Job. It's the oldest book that we know. We have historical verification of the uniqueness of this book. Mm, I feel my help in the house. How about you? 19th century Oxford professor M. Montero Williams spent 42 years studying ancient Eastern books. He made this stunning claim comparing the Bible to them. He says, pile them, if you will, on the left side of your study table, but place your holy Bible on the right side, all by itself, all alone, with a wide gap between them. For there is a gulf between it and the so-called sacred books of the East, which sever as the one from the other utterly, hopelessly and forever. Uh, there is, he said, a veritable gulf which cannot be bridged over by any science or religious thought. This is a man that spent 40 years studying all these ancient texts, and he said, your Bible, my Bible, stands by itself. There is not one that can match it. Why? Amen. I want to tell you why it's hated. I want to tell you why people try to kick it out of nations and why people are killed for carrying it. Amen. Still yet today, there are people being destroyed and killed and martyred over this book. Why? because it can't be cut down by intellect. It cannot be severed by science. It cannot be put down by philosophy. They have tried it and tried it and tried it and still will try it. Yet this book still stands by itself. It's the absolute source. Dr. Colin Peckman provides a powerful observation of the uniqueness of the Bible in one of his books when he says the Bible is a unique phenomenon, wholly unrivaled in the world of letters. It is a literary marvel, a moral miracle. It is not the product of one editor who chose his contributors, mapped out his course of study, gave each his assignment, and then brought them all together in a neatly bound volume. He said it's writing is as diverse as can possibly be imagined. The vast difference in every aspect of its production are obvious to even the most casual observer. The authors are so different and remote from one another that they would not have been acquainted nor could they have conspired together for either evil or good purposes. What a dreadful muddle it would all be if there were no central controlling influence. But it all fits together like a hand in a glove the unity is miraculous and marvelous. What is he saying? He's saying it's like no other book. That's right. It's like no other book. Right. It is like no other book. Hallelujah. And during our month and during our 37 days, we're going to talk about how do we talk about it logically? Because there's some people you can't quote scripture to because they don't believe the Bible. That's right. It's you know, you can't throw a Bible back at somebody. And, 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 and they. So, how do you do it? First of all, you do, do it with your attitude, number one, with meekness and fear, meekness and reverence. That's why the Bible says, preach the truth in love. It's not about cutting somebody down. I'll show them, I'll tell them, I'll quote scripture at them, and they're going to look at you like you, you, you an idiot, because I don't even believe what you're saying. God give us wisdom in this generation to be apostolic apologist. That means defending the faith with the right spirit. Apostolic apologist. All right, I want to look to you today. You are here and you believe the word, so I'm going to give you word. Praise God. Y'all ready back there? Let's go. Psalm 138 and 2, Psalm 138 and 2. I want to talk about the king's word. The king's word is so powerful and important. For the word says here, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Then look at this powerful statement. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name how many know that the name is spoken the name is declared the name is pronounced hallelujah jesus we can talk about jehovah uh, uh, which would, would, would be the, the english variation of yahweh which is the hebrew variation of the Noma Tetragram, which is the four name that they call the, or the four letter name which is to be unspeakable as it were amen but we love the name we talk about the name of jesus and yet he said i've exalted my word and magnified my word Above all the name Hallelujah Praise the Lord The psalmist begins by saying I'll praise you i worship you with my whole heart I'll praise you oh God Why I can count on your word Your word is not going to fail me Your name will not fail me Well your word won't fail me I want to tell you today The reason you can pray Is because the king is bound by his word The reason that you can seek God for salvation is because the king is bound by his word. Amen. The reason you can repent and he'll forgive you of your sins is because the king is bound by his word. He's not going... How many of you remember the story of Daniel? And they, 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 they tricked the, uh, the king, uh, the, the guys against Daniel, those that were uh, his adversary, tricked the king and made him make a decree unless you pray to him for just a month, for 30 days. If you do not pray to him, you're gonna be cast into the light. What they were doing was trying to get to Daniel. And when the king found out about it, uh, he said, I can't change it because my word is final. Amen, the king's word is final. That's why he's going to answer prayer for you. That's why his word is true. That's why we study his word. He magnified his word above his name. We see God's power in creation. We witness providence in everyday life. But the greatest way he reveals himself is in his word. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need to hurry. I'm not going to get through this lesson. Proverbs are, let's look at the purpose of the constitution. What's the purpose of this book? Every government has a charter known as a constitution. The first order of any nation to establish itself is to create a constitution. A nation's constitution establishes its governmental structure. It provides the process for how legitimate power works. A nation without a good constitution is doomed. A constitution describes how government functions and how it is organized. The United States government has a constitution that is based on a democratic republic. In a republic, the Constitution is a covenant that people make within themselves. We, the people. Mm -hmm. People then vote and hire a government body to keep the agreements contained in the Constitution. When they lay their hand on a Bible, at least I guess they still do that, I don't know. But when they lay their hand on the Bible and they raise their right hand, they said, I do solemnly swear to keep and uphold what? The Constitution of the United States. Boy, they're doing a terrible job of that. All I got was one right. (laughs) In a democracy, the people determine the rules and the policies by developing new laws. One component of democratic form of government is the people give a power, a portion of power to a legislature who can then amend the constitution. Thomas Jefferson said the term Constitution refers to the nature or manner in which a society is organized and the principles by which it is governed. Amen. It is the fundamental law of the nation. Thomas Jefferson, he put it in those particular words. Government exists to create rules and order and to protect its citizens. Those rules vary from nation to nation. They differ because of the model of government Differs as well. Regardless of the type of government, a constitution must be in place to establish its exercise of power. So, when it comes to the kingdom of God, which this book is all about, when it comes to the kingdom of God, remember the Bible is not a book of religion. It is a Bible of government and kingdom. Amen. The constitution of the kingdom is vastly different from the constitution of the United States. In a kingdom, all power resides within the king. The king's authority establishes the constitution uh, to show people how to live, how to act, of what their rights are, what their privileges are in the Constitution. I wouldn't know how to live if it wasn't for what my king asked me to do. The king then is the source of the Constitution. I want to point this out to you. The king is creator. He is Lord. He is absolute. His very existence is self-contained. He's either God. He's either God or he is not. He, if he is God, then he has absolute power. He's the only God. I feel sorry for people that worship all kinds of gods because they don't know where to go. Right. Right. They don't know where to go. But when you have one God who is self-contained, you know where to go. Rabbi Zacharias has one of the best one-sentence definitions about God that I've ever heard. He says, quote, "He is the only entity in existence; the reason for whose existence is in Himself." Unquote. If God is not the absolute final authority, then He's not God. You say it again. If God is not the absolute final authority, then He's not God. He's just some being out there. But if He is God and He is the absolute authority, then He will have a word that is absolute authority. Because if it is inspired by God, amen as the Bible declares to be, then it is the word of God. And if the word of God, it is the absolute authority. What I'm telling you is that if you believe in God and you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and the King of the universe, then what you believe is that His word has been written that will show us the plan of God. It reveals the plan of God and the purpose of man, it reveals for us the state of man and and salvation and redemption. I want to tell you today, I wouldn't know why I was here if it wasn't for what my king says. I wouldn't know how to be saved if I didn't know what my king says. Let's read the scripture exactly as it is. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy 3 and 16. Praise God. Somebody say, All scripture. All scripture. All scripture. What does that mean? And we'll get into this later on. It means scripture that has been canonized as being the absolute inspired inerrant word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration. Inspiration, that's an interesting word. It it, it sounds a lot like expire. It literally means to breathe. All scripture then is God breathed. It's by inspiration of God. All scripture is written by the inspiration of God and is profitable. It has a purpose. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is he saying? How to live, yeah. what to do, yeah. where to go. Yeah, sir. It's in this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, la, 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 la. Back it up just a little bit. Back it up a little bit. As a lot of people have condemned connected church culture to Bible preaching as being the doctrine. It's not. It's good church culture. We have church culture here at MPC that may be different from another church's in their culture, but if they're preaching this book as the inspired word of God and obeying this book as the inspired word of God and following the doctrine of the Acts Church, I want to tell you, they can go ahead and have their different culture. They may wear pink socks and we don't wear pink socks. That's not the issue. The issue is don't make wearing pink socks a a doctrine. Otherwise, you stumble and you fall because you pick it up and it ain't no Bible for that. My Lord, help me. I got... I got 411 messages running through my head. I got to get to. Amen. But Lord, help us to stay on this one today. All All scripture is God-breathed. We're going to get into the inspiration of scripture later on. Our beginning text is, For the prophecy came not at old time by the will of man. Again, there was no some super editor out there picking all these people, but God chose them. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They wrote what the Spirit spoke. Do we believe that God can do that? Do we believe that God can do that? Yes. Holy men of God spoke by the inspiration, the God breath. They did not originate the truth. Truth breathed through them. They were just simply the channel, the conduit, the conduit. You listen to these musicians up here play the, the music. I piano not playing nothing. Unless whoever's sitting there, as Sister Carrie was today, sitting there tickling the ivories. So she was the inspirer that just went through the instrument and we heard the outcome. Here we have the master craftsman, the king of glory. That is the breather. He's the player. And we're just seeing these 40 authors being the instruments by which the Holy Spirit. If that don't make you shout. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hallelujah. The devil's attacking it today. It's coming on every front. Do you realize how many people are saying we're going to forsake the word of God? Do you realize that the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church that was birthed with John and Charles Wesley who was a holiness movement and a righteous movement, that many of them moved into uh, the Pentecostal experience. Uh, Amen. Do you realize that now they're dividing because somebody wants to start uh, want to have a church uh, that goes against the word of God and Allow same-sex marriage. Thank God for at least somebody that'll say, you know what, it's not in here. And if it's not in here, it's not up to my feelings. It's not up to how I feel or think. I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling. You do what you want to do. I don't have a choice in it. It's God breathed. It's God spoke. They were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit communicated through them as they wrote and as they communicated it to paper. I like the ESV version of this verse. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Moved. The word move there means to bear with oneself, to move along. It speaks of a person being born in a ship at sea that has set its sail. Whew. Moved. God breathed. Ecclesiastes 8 and 2. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him Where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what do you? What doest thou? That's going to be the text for tonight. You want to get a a glimpse of where we're going tonight. Look 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 at another thing the Constitution does. The Constitution reveals the word of God as being the absolute source. And it brings to us the privileges of those who are in the kingdom. It brings to us our rights, our privileges, our benefits, our blessings. I wouldn't know them without the word of God. How about uh, Matthew 7:7? Ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. For everyone that asketh, and receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him the knocketh, it shall be open. I wouldn't know that if it wasn't <clears throat> breathed by God into the into the pen of Matthew. Or how about jumping back to Matthew 6 and 31? therefore take no thought saying what shall you eat or what shall you drink or wherewithal shall you be clothed amen clothed for all these things do the Gentiles seek he's saying don't put your possessions as being number one in front for your heavenly father know that you have need of all these things but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added I wouldn't know that I wouldn't know that if it hadn't been in the constitution I wouldn't know that where my priorities need to be amen but I also wouldn't know where the problem was. I wouldn't know unless Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 wrote, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I wouldn't know that, but it tells me what my rights are. It tells me what my privileges are. It tells me where the power is. It tells me how to go about getting connected to the king, Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized everywhere one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as our Lord our God shall call. I wouldn't know that but it is my privilege as being a born again child of God amen I can claim the promise I've repented of my sins I've turned 180 degrees from that direction and now I've taken on the king's name in baptism. Hallelujah the family name I've become a a, a part of the kingdom of God being born again I I just uh, Uh how about John 3 John 3 amen Jesus said to Nicodemus he said except a man be born again of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom hallelujah i wouldn't know that without the word of the king i wouldn't know what it took (laughs) i wouldn't know what it took to be a part of this great kingdom I want to tell you another thing that the book does. It contains the rights that have been conferred from the king to his citizens. Why did so many people want to become citizens of the United States? At this time, they risk life, limb, and family to capture a, a citizenship here in the United States because they see the freedom and the blessing of citizenship. I want to tell you, in the kingdom of God, you find freedom and liberty even if you're incarcerated even if your life is messed up you find freedom and liberty even if sin has drug you to the very bottom of the depths of problems and issues you find victory it's in this book yes. now some people see a God that is inaccessible a God as being something that is a Ooh, way off. Mm. But let me tell you what our king wrote. Made sure it was in his constitution. Ephesians 2, verse 18. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. By Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, I have direct access to the Father. They sung about it earlier. The veil is torn. The gates are wide. Why? Because he has given us access. I have the right of inheritance, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22. I won't read that right now. I have the right of healing, 1 Peter 2 and 24. I have the right of healing, 1 Peter 2 and 24. I have the right of heaven, John 14, 1. Amen. I have the rights. Why? Because the word of God puts it down. And if he is God, then his word is, is true. His word, if he's unfailing, then his word is unfailing. Now, otherwise, he's an inconsistent, false deity. But I want to tell you, I found him true not only in an altar of prayer but I found him in true where I've taken his word and used it for my life here's something that's very interesting is that the king constrains himself to his own word I mentioned that a while ago let me go a little deeper in that remember that the king is his word and when he speaks it becomes law the king then is obligated to his word. He cannot go back on his word. If the king would fail to keep his word, he would cease to be king. Look at Numbers 23 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it, or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Mm. Second. Timothy 2 and 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself, Ezekiel 12 and 25. For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged, for in your days, O rebellious house, will I say the word and will perform it, saith the Lord God. And and, and you say, okay, then, then why pray if he has absolute that his word is settled and sure? Because he gave us provision in his word. He gave us rights in his word. Well, I've got this sickness, it's unto death. Mm, that's not his word promises I can go back to his word and I can begin to claim healing by his word that doesn't mean that I got a free lunch or I'm getting handed out miracles and everybody's going to be blessed because sometimes you pray and it doesn't happen and sometimes you pray it does I'm just simply trusting in God he's going to either bring me through or he's going to remove it that doesn't matter because that's what his word says he won't go back on his word The Word of God reveals how we're to live in the kingdom. How we're to live in the kingdom. The Constitution is not just a governmental doctrine or document, it is rather also a cultural document. It contains moral code, it contains laws, it contains the values of the king, the way citizens live in that kingdom and it's determined by the written standard. What would our world be in if we didn't have a written constitution in America? I'd be like, how many of you would have really, do, do, we, do we have any, let's do it this way. Anybody that's, that's graduated from college in the building today? All right, graduated from high school. You're fine. Both both of them work. What would you have done if you they called your name and you walked across the stage and they just give you a high five? So you made it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just take our word for it. You graduated. Did, no, no. Okay, I'm going down here. I'm, I'm gonna buy this house, and you sit down with the lawyers. And you sit down there and they just there's no documentation on the table. There's no title deeds on the table. There's no documents for your side. They just simply say, oh, I'll just take our word for it. It's yours. Anyone want to buy that kind of house? Well, our king was so intent. So when the time come, we need to know what he meant and what he said and what he wants us to do. He put it in writing. He put it in writing so that we can go down and look and say, oh, that's in the book. (laughs) That's in the book. I I, I, I don't have an opinion there. It's in the book. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It is both in the New Testament and the Old Testament uh, sealed. Amen. To bring to us the will of God and the plan of man. Amen. I want to tell you, this book also shows us the moral code for daily living. We can look at the the Ten Commandments and we see that as a foundation. Jesus just added to it In the New Testament, when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew 5 and 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a moral code. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's a moral code. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. A moral code. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Man, that's a powerful message in itself. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed and are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God he went on to say you know uh, you've heard it said that if a man sleeps with a woman he's committed adultery I tell you if a man looks on a woman and lusts after her he's already committed adultery What is he doing? He said, I'm simply magnifying the word as king and saying, in this New Testament era, it's not just the law. I want to tell you, the grace era is absolutely freer. It is absolutely liberating, but it has also got a higher moral code than even the Old Testament. How do I know that? Because the king came, robed himself in flesh. I want to tell you how to live, how to operate, and show you my moral code. I wouldn't know how to set priorities priorities if it wasn't verses like Matthew 6, 31 through 33. I want to know how to behave. I wouldn't know about marriage without this book. Mark 10, 6. From the very beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Do you know why people wanted to, why why the culture wants to destroy the word of God? For verses like that. Or how about Hebrews 13 and four? Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God says, you want to have sex outside of marriage, you're under a different, you're not in my kingdom authority. That's not what I, uh, I count as being acceptable in my kingdom. But if you're married, then you have an honorable position to have uh, encounters, uh, uh, sexual encounters with your husband or your wife, amen, under the guise of God's provision. The Constitution provides for us how function, how authority functions in the kingdom. Look these up later. Um, Matthew 13, 1 through 3 talks about every soul must be under the power of the higher power and the powers of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19, talking about the power that's in the word. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us word. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might. And dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. I want to tell you that the authority of the Lord is simply I've taken dominion. I have power. I have authority over every other government, over every other uh, uh, principality. It doesn't matter. What, what what hell says, it doesn't matter what the enemy is saying. The Lord said, I have power and authority over that. I thank God for his word. I thank the Lord today for his absolute source. If I need peace, I'm going to his word. If I need to understand healing, I'm going to his word. If I need to understand how to have a better relationship, I'm going to his word. And I believe that the Lord will show me and reveal to me the truth in his word. The problem is, we live in a society that has a vocabulary of 140 words. 140 words. For those of you who are not Twitter, you're not on Twitter, you wouldn't understand that. I do think that they have increased it. Haven't they increased the letter? I believe they increased the letter. But in, in, in the context of, okay, scripture, you got 140 words to show who you are, what you're about. I want to tell you today. Can I help you, sir? Okay. Found him good. Wow. But today's world is so bent on, I just, you know, just let me punch a button and it'll tell me what to do. I'll Google it. What, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? Oh, thank God for YouTube. I'll go YouTube it. You can't YouTube a good marriage. You can't Google how to get along with a rebellious child. Oh, you won't get some lessons, but you want you got to go find out what the king says. Right. Jesus said it like this. Search the scriptures. Dig in the scriptures. Amen. Enough with the ignorance according to the word of God. I want to know what the king has to say. I want to know what he's telling me today. What is his word telling me? It's the absolute source. Everything that I need, I find in the word. Amen. We're going to be, again, throughout this whole month, we're going to go back into the word and we're going to search the word. But I want to tell you today, if you can't stand on anything, you can stand on the word. News will fail. Do you realize the news media has a lower rating than, than Congress? I've gotten to the place; it makes me disgusted to watch news of any kind from any network. Do I get a witness on that? But if I want to find what I need, I, got, I, I need to know there's there's strength in this word. Stand with me, please. There's hope in this word. Hallelujah! No matter what you're dealing with today, if He's God then his word is absolute. If his word is not absolute, then he's not God. But I know him to be God. I know him to change my life. I've been living this way too long. I've seen way too much evidence of how God operates. Amen. I've seen him move in ways that are inexplainable. I've watched with my very eyes the dead be raised by the power of the king. I've seen people's lives that were broken put back together by the power of the king. Amen. This is his word. It's the absolute source. The absolute source. Come on, let's praise him today for his word. Let's thank the Lord today for his word. Thy word, O oh Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word, O oh Lord, is my foundation. Thy word, O oh Lord, is my foundation. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. So I want to share with you one verse more in closing. It's one of my favorite. Psalm 119 and 89. Forever, forever, forever and ever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. If you would connect your believer to the word, Connect your faith in the Word and let it begin to rise and grow. You will begin to see God move even greater in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone that would today, would you come to the altar? Would you begin to come to the altar right now? Let's come and seek the Lord. Amen. Fall in love with the Word. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.